Welcome out to the Bulls and the Bears show, sponsored by Online Trading Academy, the most trusted name in financial education, and celebrating 25 years of service. I am Aaron Warby, and I am here with the incomparable Nigel Cave. And this is our first ever podcast without a radio show component. So we get to actually, I mean, I'm kind of excited about this because the podcast gives us the opportunity to just address a topic and run with the topic until it's done. And we don't have to do commercial breaks. No commercial How breaks. How nice. I know, isn't that, that's beautiful. It is. Because be- so. timing those <laughs> things is a pain. Yeah. Well, and it always breaks <laughs> up the flow, right? Because we start getting into a topic and we start, we start really, you know, getting to a point where we can understand what's going on and then we have to take a commercial break. And then we're back and we've kind of lost flow. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but we're always worried about uh, people in and out of their car. We only have their attention for maybe a couple of minutes at a time, something like that. So this is much, I'm really excited about this as, as a forum, as a, as a medium um, of transferring information, because I really think that this is, we're going to be able to, uh, well, transmit more information mm-hmm. more effectively. I agree. Yeah. Anyway, uh, what we're going to talk about today is, is kind of answering the question. I saw an article and I wanted to address it because this is something that we talk about um, in our classes ad nauseum. All right. Are investors behaving irrationally? Well, okay. Let's define <laughs> All right. rational and irrational. And I think that, that what I want to, um, that what I want to, to talk about is, is when we're talking about rational and irrational, then we have to start asking ourselves from what vantage point are we talking about it? You know, when I first when I first got into the game, which was back before the internet, mm-hmm. um, you know, we would look at the markets as we would look at a stock or or any asset for what it was. All right, and so when we looked at a stock, we we knew that that the stock was simply a share or a piece of ownership in a company, and therefore the price of the stock really should correlate very closely with the value of the company, meaning that we would look at it. In, in terms of what assets does it have, mm-hmm. right? If they were to just sell it all off, what assets does it hold? What kind of cash assets does it have? And then we would give it a little bit of forward, um, I don't know, forward revenue. And so you could really figure out what the bid price was and what the what the ask price was really on a calculator. Yeah. And because of that, there wasn't a lot of variation in the price. But you also knew that if it started to drop, to a certain price, hey, I probably shouldn't own this anymore. Well, and in that case, you would be digging through numbers and reports to try and find out why it's dropping. Because if it's dropping irrationally, right, it's just dropping because uh, because a big holder decided to get out, then that's when you want to buy. Mm-hmm. You know, and and so we were much more closely aligned. Warren Buffett was was of course the gold standard. He was a value kind of guy, um, where he would look at the value of the company. Now. That all changed in 1996, okay? And, and I've got to, I'll admit that from 1996 till about 2003, I was absolutely flabbergasted. I couldn't, I couldn't find what the bid and, and ask price was going to be on my calculator to save my life, okay? <laughs> and I didn't recognize what had happened. But in 1996, when the internet came about and all of a sudden, you know, there, we had a whole bunch of traders in the market that uh, that were trading from the internet, you know, they they just got on Scott Trade and they could make a trade for four dollars and ninety five cents instead of calling up a broker, 
and paying the broker $50, Yeah. right? All of a sudden, they could simply uh, get online and, and do it that way. Um, but that changed the dynamic of what was going on. Because back when I first started in the 90s, the truth is, is that everybody that I was trading with, right, I, I was bidding a, or I was asking for a certain price or, and bidding a certain price and they were asking for a certain, and we, we, we were really kind of within pennies of each other. Yeah, There wasn't a whole bunch of variation. But all of a sudden, we have people who didn't pull out their calculators because they didn't know, they didn't know the calculation. They'd never been trained. Yeah, They never worked on Wall Street. Or, they just saw a stock price and said, that looks good to buy right there. Uh, yeah. yeah. Hey, look, I think that AOL is, is you know, the company of the future. Let's buy it. And, <laughs> and if everybody's thinking that, but they have no idea how to value the company, then they just keep buying. And the very action of everybody buying and buying and buying shoots these stocks up into the stratosphere with no idea of of when it's going to come down. Well, and I, I call those types of people, and when we teach classes, I, I still use the same example. I call those types of people one-trick ponies. Yeah. You know one thing to do, and it's to hit the buy button. And, <laughs> and that's the only thing you understand is how to hit the buy button over and over and over again. Yeah. The market does not always accommodate you hitting the buy button. Right. There are other things that you have to do to either protect yourself or to take advantage of the market when it goes not up. Right. And so that's the, the I mean, when, when you ask if investors are behaving irrationally, I yeah. think the people who think that there is only one trick out there in the market to do, and it's to buy things, and that's the only thing you can do, I think that's very irrational. Well, yes. Well, and, and especially in, in, you know, today's day and age. Mm-hmm. Back, when, back when I first started, because the price fluctuation was, was very consistent, we really did kind of just keep going up year after year without a whole bunch of loss. You know, I mean, we had the 1987 uh, drop and that was painful, but we climbed back out of that in relatively short order. Yeah. Right. Um, and we had, uh, you know, we had just little things like that, but, but nothing really big. And so you could simply buy and hold things. Yeah. Just buy it. It's going to go up. Right. At least most things. But that was back when, when people really understood how to calculate the value of things. And so if you were doing nothing but buying back there, but you were buying at, you know, at the prices that were there and then holding it for a while, you were probably doing all right, at least market average. Well, and and to to the point of people being irrational, if you think that markets just go up forever and they never come down, that's a bit of an irrational thought, right? I mean, we've seen in the history of the markets, market crashes they're they're pretty common and normal actually right so now let's ask the the question right the question is is would it be logical to buy something let's just let's just uh you know name something i don't don't care what it is apple Uh, well let's take something out outside of the market oh all right you're going to go to the store and buy something let's let's say you're going to buy a car Mm -hmm. would it be logical uh, for somebody to go in having no idea what the price what it should be priced at not even having looked at the Kelly Blue Book value or anything. Of or that the Car Fox or whatever. Yeah, those Car Fox, yeah. whatever. You know, <laughs> having absolutely no clue what it should be worth, what it should be valued at before going to negotiate a price on it. I would say it's irrational, but I think people do it often. Well, yeah. Okay, so so I, I, I agree with you. That is a very irrational thing to do, but that is exactly how the markets are treated these days. All right, because people don't have the calculation as to what the, the stock should be valued at, they are simply buying the stock when they're greedy, 
mm-hmm. and selling the stock when they're fearful. Well, and, and we saw so much greed from 2020 to 2022, 2023, because there were a increase in 2020 of a 50% increase of trading accounts in yeah. the market, which means there were millions of accounts created put in out there where people were going and they were trying to trade money into the market. Well, like I said, most of these people, they know one trick. That one trick is to buy and continue to buy and buy and buy. And of course, during that period of time, it worked really well. So it made people feel really good. And then 2022 rolls around and the market goes down and people are like, hey, this uh, this buying thing <laughs> isn't, didn't work. isn't working. What's yeah. going on here? Uh, and I love to buy the dippers, right? Yeah. they Every of time course. it dips, they buy more. It goes up just a little bit and then and it comes it crashing back down. Which is very typical of a bear market. Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't care what bear market you look at in history. There's going to be a strong down and then it levels off and then it creeps back up and then a strong down and levels off and it creeps back up. Um, today's market is absolutely no different. Um, actually, I've been surprised at how long we've been in this sideways trend. Well, we formed a wedge, basically, right. which means that it's it, it's stuck at about 4,100. It won't go any higher than that. And it keeps getting well, skinnier on what? the bottom. What are you talking about? The S&P, 500, the S&P 500. The S&P 500. Yeah. Um, and it, it's stuck at about 4,100. It won't get any higher than that. But what's going to happen eventually with all wedges mm-hmm. is as you consolidate price and it stops moving as much and the buyers and sellers start to become equal, that's why it doesn't move very high right. or very low, it will break. And yeah. it will break one way or the other, and it will break dramatically one way or the other. Right. And, and so this is April uh, 20th, I think. 21st. <laughs> 21st. <laughs> this is April tw- 21st, and we have been in just a, s- a sideways pattern consolidating for a long time. And if you've watched the markets over the last, I don't know, couple of weeks, where we used to have, you know, um, the markets changing at 1% and 2% in a day, yeah, we haven't seen more than, than a, I don't know, half quarter a percent, percent, half yeah, a percent it's, it's for not, two weeks. It's small. It's yeah. weird. Um, and, and so that is a, a strong consolidation. And yes, we are very equal right now. And, and there's there's reason for the consolidation. But a lot of the economists out there and a lot of the big traders are saying, no, hey, look, we're, we're in for another 20% drop at least. Yeah. You know, hold on to your butts. Maybe it's time to go away in May and just stay away for a while. Well, and the go away in May thing is a, is a quote from trading in, in history where people say, hey, the markets don't do much in May because people go away. They go on vacation. They go whatever. If you're if you're in Arizona, a lot of people are coming here because we have nice weather. Where the rest of the country, not not so much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I just got back from northern Utah, and it was cold up there. Probably. I still needed a jacket for yeah, heaven's sake. Of course you did. I was in Utah a month ago, <laughs> and it was snowing. Well, no, I, I saw snow. Oh, you did. Okay. Well, it was up there. Yeah, snow. <laughs> No kidding. I was up there, and it said spring break. On my break. eyelashes. And I was like, spring break? What do you mean spring break? Yeah. It's snowing right now. <laughs> this is not spring. <laughs> yes. <laughs> At any rate, back to the question, you know. Um, so so p- when people go into the market, if they have absolutely no idea what it should be priced at, and they're simply buying based on an emotion of greed or selling based on an emotion of fear— then you have to ask yourself the question, if that's all that's going on, then is greed logical or is it irrational? Is fear logical or irrational? Because I would say that most emotion tends not to be very logical. Mm-hmm. It tends to be very irrational. And so based on that, I would say, yeah, irrational. Now, that doesn't mean that things don't, that there aren't rational things happening in the markets. 
mm-hmm. because there are just not based on, you know, the average investor, the average trader that has absolutely no idea what they're doing, but they're doing it anyway, is not acting rationally. Well, and, and typically when you see the stock market, let's say, going sideways, there are so many other markets out there that you can go look at. The other day, I was trading the New Zealand dollar. Mm-hmm. That's not a very popular currency, but it is a <laughs> currency that moves in price. And if you're looking for something to trade and the indexes like the S&P or the stock market is not moving very much, right. go look at something else that yeah, has some something. type of movement <laughs> Yeah, that is moving right. in the way you want it to move. Yeah, that's exactly right. You also just have to know how to, how to find that stuff and how to trade it because it's not, it doesn't, if it goes up a dollar, it doesn't mean it's worth another dollar. It could mean it's worth right. thousands of dollars more. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I I wanted to lead into the idea that there are rational things that are happening, um, but only if you really understand what's going on. So, you know, me, when I was when I was first trained and we were all using calculators to just, you know, to decide what the price should be, um, you know, the larger companies that invest for other people uh, like the mutual funds or well, the mutual funds have never really been very logical. They they're in. They're what we call indiscriminate buyers. Yeah, they, they buy. It's you can the exact put them on a same timer. time every single month. The exact same time and the exact same product every single month. It makes it really easy to push the price up and sell to them high, mm-hmm. and then let the price naturally drop, which is kind of what happens on payday Friday. <laughs> by the way, <clears throat> if you were looking at it, um, is it the you second know, Friday of every month or something like that? Yeah. Well, yeah. It's payday Friday. Yeah. So just look for payday Friday and you're going to see, you know, markets probably climb on that day right at the end of the day. It happened today, by the way. This is a Friday. Yeah. And it happened today. And it wasn't that the markets climbed that much. They were just a little negative and they went back to a tiny bit positive. Yeah. It wasn't a big (laughs) climb, but it was a climb. But it was right there at the end of the day (laughs) and we knew exactly what was happening. This is when, you know, this is when the the mutual funds buy Mm -hmm. and they're indiscriminate buyers. Uh, yeah. They they don't care about the price. They just care about what they are putting in their portfolio. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if they have Apple in their portfolio, then every payday Friday, they add more Apple. Mm-hmm. That's just how it goes. All right. Um, at any rate, you know, back when everybody used the calculator, uh, you know, things were working. And all of a sudden, we got into 1996 and things started breaking down. And for for companies... And the larger companies like Goldman Sachs and, and J.P. Morgan uh, that are large trading companies, they also saw kind of a breakdown of what they were doing. And, and there was a little bit of confusion for a while. Mm-hmm. All right. And so for just a little while, things became very, very irrational. But then all of a the sudden, these market makers started figuring out, OK, now I see what's going on. And guess what? We can use this and make a lot more money than we used to, okay? Because we're no longer up against people who know the price and we're trading in pennies. Now, we've got people that if we get them just a little bit excited, this is going to shoot up dollars. Yeah, highly emotional. Yeah. Yeah. And so all we have to do is either make them very greedy or make them very fearful. 
And when they're very fearful, they sell off and they sell way lower than it should be. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden we can pick it up at a very low price. And then all we have to do is make them greedy again and they'll shoot it back up. Okay. Yeah. Well, if you go over, go look at a chart of the S and P before the nineties, it didn't have these crazy moves. No, it didn't. And then when the internet was induced, introduced the (laughs) induced, it it was before 1996. (laughs) Well, yeah. And so after 1996, after 1996, it got crazy. You have these massive moves up and down. Even today, you have these moves that are just huge, and mm-hmm. it's because people get fearful, they get greedy very quickly, and banks know this, like Aaron's talking yeah. about, and it's kind of easy to manipulate people because they don't know what they're doing. They're just buying and selling based on their feelings. Right. So let's talk about how they manipulate because there's basically, it really comes down to two ways that they manipulate. One is, one way is, um, is illegal. But they do it anyway. <laughs> Are you talking about fomenting? Fomenting. Yeah. That's exactly right. Okay, so here's kind of an easy thing to do. If you were a big trader or investor and everybody was looking to you for advice and you wanted something to go down, then all you would have to do is get on the news or get on a news outlet somewhere or leak it to somebody somewhere. Some journalist. Who would, yeah. who would put it out on the internet, right? That you thought that, this stock that you would want to buy is probably going to take a dive, you know, or something's wrong with it. Um, and you'd give a bad news story about it. Doesn't have to be true, but that news person is going to take that and they're going to run with it. And they're going to create the bad news story about this. They're going to publish it in all of the financial news articles. All right. Every outlet that they can get to, because that's how they get paid Mm -hmm. is by publishing articles. Right. And the more outlets they get to, the more they get paid. Yeah. Uh, So they're going to publish it widely that's going to scare people. And what do scared people do when they see that they're, the stock that they're holding is probably going to take a drop? They sell it. And another yeah. thing that the banks or whoever's doing this does, typically they have quite a bit of money. They will go out and they will buy insurance in the stock market, a lot of it. Yeah. And then there are a lot of traders who think they're smarter than the banks. And they'll say, oh my gosh, there's someone buying hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of insurance. This is going to crash. And so then they are a part of that emotional crowd that gets hopped out. Yeah, but that's part of the legal way. That's not fomenting. So I do want to talk about that, but let's talk about it right after. Oh, okay. Sorry. (laughs) Add it on too quickly. No (laughs) problem. Yeah, no, you were jumping right right in there. That's good. No, but fomenting means that they are creating news stories. They're creating news um, that simply... simply uh, lend it then itself to the kind of trade that they want to do. So if they want to buy, they're going to give negative news stories, make this, this stock, you know, everybody else is selling off. And it, when they, when you've got a lot of people selling off, then what happens is, is the price drops and it drops into a point where they say, all right, that's the price I wanted it at. And they start gathering it up. Right. But then all of a sudden, now that they own it, they want it to go up. So now what do they do? Now they got to make it they, look like yeah. it's uh, all pretty and rosy. <laughs> right. Now yeah. they now <laughs> they leak it to another source why that they just bought it and this is why they bought it and it's it, you know they see nothing but uh, good news from here. Oh, okay. Now that's spread out to the general media and um and yeah, it, everybody starts buying it again. And when they start buying it, it pushes that price right right up and they can make a very quick and easy, you know, couple million dollars yeah a couple, big profit yeah. <laughs> uh, now that is illegal but of course they do it anyway and every once in a while they get caught for it and so if you want proof you know just look at jp morgan uh just type in google because google is the arbiter of all knowledge as we yeah. know <laughs> you know but type in there um in the search bar 
JP Morgan market manipulation. And it will come up with a whole bunch of instances where they have manipulated the market, got caught, and and then they got fined for it. You're a little smack right. on the hand, and then they go on their way. Yeah, yeah. They don't get caught every time, and they keep doing it because obviously it keeps making them money. Well, and and if you want to know about like market manipulation or how people in the past have manipulated markets, there's a Netflix on. I mean, there's a documentary on Netflix, <laughs> not a yeah, whatever I said, <laughs> um, on a guy named Bernie Madoff. Yeah, and they talk about how he manipulated the market and people for years and years and years. Yeah, and finally. Someone caught him after like 16 years or in $15 billion. Yeah. And now, now, you know, here's the thing. If you actually watch that, you're going to sit back and you're going to think, are people really that stupid? Yeah. How I did mean, somebody really, fall did, for this? Yeah. How did they fall for that? You know, and, and I the tell, answer is yes. I tell people this all the time. <laughs> if, if something sounds like it takes absolutely no effort and it's going to change your life. Yeah. It probably isn't true. Well, Anything worth doing typically takes a little bit of effort. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, and it, anybody that is controlling billions of dollars and, and you know, says that they've never lost a trade, that's a dead giveaway. Yeah, every trader happen. out there it's, it's actually loses impossible. trades. It happens, but yeah. if you have risk management, it doesn't matter. Well, okay, we're, and we're going to talk about that, risk management, in another podcast. So, you know, stick around. Well, listen to some of our other podcasts. Um, and there's going to be one talking about, you know, in the title, risk yeah, management. Go over that one. Go over that one because you are not professional if you don't understand risk management. Mm-hmm. All right. You're not trading sanely, rationally, <laughs> if you're not using risk management. Of some sort. Yeah. Okay. Now there's another way that the the, the stocks are manipulated. And the truth is, is that this is going to upset a lot of people when we tell you how it's done. Um, you know, you're going to feel like, hey, we're being ripped off here. Mm-hmm. But me, if I met the market makers doing it, I'd just say thank you very much. <laughs> because in this irrational environment where we've got a whole bunch of people that are just using emotions, it would be absolute chaos without the market makers. The market makers bring order to the chaos. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and here's kind of what they do. They've got their prices out there. This is where we want to buy it. And this is where we want to sell it. All right, so the price comes into their buy zone and they start buying it and immediately it pushes the price up, okay? Now, they've learned that if it pushes the price up just a little bit, then it's not going to go up really fast. And so once it moves away from their buy price, they keep buying in order to move it up very fast because if they can get it to move up very fast, then it's going to get the attention of know-nothing uh, traders. Mm-hmm. And those know nothing traders are going to say, Oh, this is shooting up. I better get on while the, you know, get on this gravy train. Yeah. And so then they start buying it. And when they start buying it, it accelerates that move. But at that point, that's when, that's when the company that, that found, you know, the bought it at the low starts taking some risk off the table and selling it off just not enough to stop it. Yeah. All right. But it, it starts to slow down and it eventually gets to a point where they say, all right, that is where I wanted to sell it. Let's take, you know, 20% of our holdings and just drop it off there. And so they drop it off. And of course, when they drop off millions of dollars worth of shares, it drops the price. It, it naturally drops the price. Just like when they bought it, bought millions of dollars worth of shares, it raised the price. The exact opposite action selling off drops the price. Now, what happens when it drops the price? People get scared and they want to get out. Okay. And so then they start selling, right? Mm-hmm. 
and that accelerates the move uh, back down, but eventually it gets to the price. And if they've done this right, it gets to the price very quickly, <laughs> all right, <laughs> where they wanted to buy it again anyway. And so they pick it back up. They pick up another couple, uh, you know, c- couple hundred thousand shares or something like that, and it shoots it back up. And there's and actually a the trading, process repeats. There's a trading term for that. It's called an IRT, an immediate retest, right? Which means as soon as it was it was done, price comes right back down, and it's done in exactly the exact same way. And that is a really big indication that somebody with a lot yeah. of money, you've got a whale in the water. Yeah, was guess doing what that. you should do. Follow the whale, okay? Yeah. Uh, so the you know these market makers, what they are doing through this action is yes, they're buying uh, the the way that they buy and the way that they sell creates in the market more greed, and then on the way down more fear. Mm-hmm. All right, and so it moves the market faster and more dynamically than it would otherwise move. Now, does that matter to me? Well, if it weren't for them. I would never be able to trade because with if all you've got in the markets is emotion, then it is absolutely unreadable. Mm-hmm. There is no calculation for emotion. There is no way to prognosticate where things are. I would be an absolute I'd be absolutely lost in trading. Yeah. But if I can look into, you know, into the markets and see where these whales are buying and where they're sal- selling, hey, hey Guess what? They're wells because they're good at what they do. Yeah, they are market makers because they make the bottom and they make the top. That's part of the reason why we don't typically trade in penny stocks. Yeah. Because when you try and trade in a penny stock, there is much less institutional activity inside of them, which means the moves are much less predictable. And most likely, um, it's, it's going to be much harder to trade that type of thing, where if you look at something like Amazon or, or Apple or Microsoft or whatever it is, a little easier to predict the movements between those guys than it is some stock that's worth 50 cents. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, with that, with that what, what you're finding is, is that these market makers are bringing order to the chaos, and that's good for traders. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are doing it at the expense of the know-nothing traders that but hey let's face it they know nothing they're there kind of as a hobby or they're trying their hand at something that they didn't bother to try and learn about yeah hobbies cost money so you know if you're going to be a hobbyist then it's going to cost you to trade in the markets yeah and and you know there's there's another uh, there's there's a certain type of person out there that looks at trading and says oh i'm i'm going to go try and be a trader and they start risking kind of crazy amounts of money in the market. Yeah. Like hundreds of thousands of dollars. And then they typically lose quite a bit of it. And then they look at some type of trading education, whether that's us or some other school out there. Right. And they say, oh, well, I, I don't want to buy education that seems like a waste. No, you, yeah, just, yeah. you just oh, threw away $100,000. Just <laughs> for what? Yeah. I'm confused. Yeah, what here. are you going to do? What, what's your plan? Are you going to go and lose another hundred grand? Yeah. And so the <laughs> irrationalness isn't just in the markets. It's also just in the logic that they provide themselves in the sense of, oh, well, I don't, I don't want to pay for someone to teach me. I'll just figure it out on my own. Yeah. That worked so well for them the last time. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So now the rub. Now that you know that there's both rational and irrational things in the market, right? And when I'm saying irrational, uh, anything that is not anything that the the these market makers aren't touching is mm-hmm. irrational. Yeah. It's just a whole bunch of emotion. All right, because the people behind those trades have absolutely no idea 
where the price should be, where it's going to be tomorrow. They're simply going off of their gut feeling. GameStop's a good example oh, of that GameStop. one. Oh, GameStop. Oh, man. That company, yeah. If we were trading that company back back in the 90s, mm-hmm. right, um, or the 80s where we were using calculators, that would be a penny stock. Yeah. And it would have never gotten off the floor of penny stock, not since 2015. Well, and like I said, most things under $10 are where most institutions are not playing. GameStop mm-hmm. is one of those special... Um, special cases. Special cases yeah. where it may be a $30, $40 stock, but <laughs> they've, they've, they've done a report that says about 70 plus percent of the people buying and selling GameStop are retail traders, yeah. which means that only 30% are banks which means it's very hard to predict price and it's really, really emotionally moving. Right. So maybe not one of the best things to go out and try and trade. Right. Yeah. So the market makers are bringing rationality to the markets in some places. Mm -hmm. And so I thank them for that because you can only really trade from a rational standpoint or, or invest from a rational standpoint to expect to do well. All right. So now here's the rub. What do I do with this information? How do I use it? And, you know, this is kind of the first time we've been able to say that and actually get through our thought before a commercial break comes. So I'm really excited. All right. Number one, here's what you don't do. All right. Don't take trading or investing advice from financial news outlets, because obviously these are manipulated and you never know what is good information and what's bad information. So you can't use it. As you can tell, listening, we haven't told you to buy or sell anything. No, no. You have to assume that if somebody is giving you a stock tip, you have to assume that it is going to be a manipulation, mm-hmm. all right? There are those out there that aren't, but because you can't tell the difference between those that are and those that aren't, you have to assume that it is, yeah. all right? Um, number two, don't trade or invest with emotion. Emotions are what the market manipulators are manipulating. Mm-hmm. So if you find yourself either scared that you will lose on a trade or investment or really motivated to buy something that you've heard about recently, you need to take a step back and run an analysis that takes the emotion out of the equation. And not an analysis of potentially the fundamentals. I got told no. just the other week, some guy was <laughs> like, hey, this this stock did so well. It's the company that helped um, cure cancer for his dad. Uh-huh. And he was very, very excited about it. And, and the stock kept going down and down. It went from like $10 to like 20 cents. And he was so sure that it was going to go back and pr- up in price. Yeah. He kept buying it. just it. had to. Yeah. And he was yeah. like, but they have so much potential. And I was like, but there's more people selling it than there are buying it. So it's probably not a good trade. That's exactly right. All right. So here's what you do do. All right. Do learn how to spot what the market makers are doing and then use what they are doing to make your trading and investing more certain by virtue of the fact that the market makers are only buying at the bottom and selling at the top. And if you can see in the charts what they are doing and what price they're buying at and what price they're selling at, then all of the sudden the market becomes very rational for you. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Number uh, four, you need to learn how to see the market for what it is and work with it as it is. You can't look at it from an idyllic uh, perspective like your guy. You know, mm-hmm. they helped cure cancer, so obviously they this this has to go to the moon. Yeah, this must work. Yeah, yeah. It, ha- it just has to work. Or the, the market always has to go up over time, or the market always has to do this. No, it doesn't. Yeah. And it hasn't in the past. 
All right. If that was your thought, market always goes up over time. If that was your thought in 2000 and you bought in 2000, you didn't see a profit until on what you bought in 2000 until 2013. Yeah. Really? Are you willing to hold it for 13 years without a profit? That's a quarter of your working life, for heaven's sakes. Yeah. You can't do that and, and retire well. All right. Uh, number five, give us a call and get into one of our classes, okay? We've got uh, for beginners that need uh, a very basic understanding of the market before deciding uh, that you want to do it on your own, trading or investing is for you, come to one of our three-hour classes, all right? Now, you can do this in one of three ways. You can either visit www.tradingacademy.com and there'll be classes there that you can take, mm-hmm. okay, a list of classes. Um, or you can give us a call at 8448-TRADER. That's 844-887-2337. Or you can text the word INCOME to 25029. All right, that's INCOME to 25029. For those of you that are already trading and you need to just up your game, all right, come to one of our three-day classes. In these classes, we talk about uh, trading, you know, the methodologies, the strategies. We talk about it in the stock market, uh, the futures market, the Forex market, the options market. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we take some trades and we talk about the rationale behind each and, and you know, where you should be trading. And, and depending on where you are in life, what your strategies m- you might be looking at, right? Yeah. And that's what the three day is for. It's really for those that that are now deciding, hey, I, I've already decided I need to start trading and investing on my own. I'm going to do this. Come to one of those. All right. It, it's typically a 290 If you were to come into one of our previews, we offer this class for $299. Three days, it's $100 a day, basically. All right. If you skip the three-hour the three thing and just come to one of our three-day courses, we have a special for you. You can simply text us, text dollar sign nine nine to 25029, that's the number. Our number is 25029, 25029, all right? And then put in the subject line, dollar sign $99, that's the message, mm-hmm. send it to us. We will give you a call and get you registered for one of those three-day classes, all right? That's all you have to do. Anyway, um, that's all we've got for you today. Listen to our uh, next podcast, like us. Or whatever it is you've got to do to make sure that that this is uh, something that keeps showing up in your podcast list. And uh, we'll have more for you next week. So hope you liked it and we'll see you next week.